0: Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Briales, and I'm here with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, my brother?
1: Oh, all is well, man. Thank you for asking. How things are you all
0: Yeah, all is well as well. So yeah. I'm also <laughs> pleased to announce we have a, a very special guest, uh, Doug White Wolf. Am I saying your last name right? White Wolf,
2: yep. The That's right. <laughs> uh, thank you. Well, it's a it is a made up last name. It was not my my not the name I was born with. When my wife and I got married, we decided we were making a new family, so we would make a new name. And so my last name was White, and her favorite grandmother's maiden name was Wolf, and we decided we'd be the White Wolves. That's great. <laughs> you don't come across a lot of White Wolves. No, no, no. Uh, there are a few out there though.
0: Wow, that's crazy. so uh tell us a little bit more about yourself, doug. so uh well, what do you do for a living or for a purpose and also uh, how many kids you got and what are their ages?
2: Yeah, so uh, I've been teaching high school math for fourteen years. I'm currently on leave uh to I've started a business transformation math and it's a tutoring service. We're starting up a math algebra one group tutoring sessions real soon here uh, october twenty third and hopefully gonna Uh, fill those sessions um but what i do for a living is i keep doors of opportunity open for kids because uh, as soon as as soon as you decide or kids decide or something happens and math becomes something they don't want to do anymore doors start shutting and usually it happens before kids are really aware that those doors are shutting and i want to keep them open and I want them to walk away from time spent with me in a better place than where they were before. And so math isn't actually the thing that I care most about. I care most about uh, well-being overall. And uh, so we're teaching mindfulness within the context of mathematics, which is real fertile ground since people have so much anxiety and ill will towards mathematics. It creates a lot of, a lot of good chances to practice mindfulness. Yeah, I, I got... Two kids, uh, both boys, six and eight years old. Well, almost almost six, a uh, couple weeks away. And they're, they're doing great. And uh, for purpose, my purpose is just um, everyone that I interact with, I want to walk away with them having benefited from the interaction. That's what most of my day is spent working to make happen.
1: That's pretty cool. So Doug, have you always been um, good at math? Or like, did it come natural to you growing up?
2: Uh, n- you know, I, I wouldn't say that, you know, that there were times that I was good at it and there was times that I was not good at it. You know, it's a roller coaster. It's, it's not real like, uh, if you do it long enough, you just discover that you always run into roadblocks. Um, it's just how you deal with them. Um, but I, I, I think that in general, I had some aptitude for mathematics. How, how
1: about your sons? Do you see
2: that in them? Uh, probably yeah. more so. Um, so we we do a lot of we do a lot of math talk, and uh, my my wife is Jewish, and they've been baking, making challah. Uh, like regularly, and you know, uh, I think baking might be the best place to teach kids fractions, and and fractions are, um, what, in my experience, the the first major hurdle that starts causing trouble for young people in mathematics. So, uh, ha- having them understand, you know, what it is to be a part of a whole. And, and then multi, you know doing multiple uh, batches instead of just doing one batch, taking a recipe and doing three times that uh, really allows them to play with the math and figure it out with a real hands-on way. And, you know, uh, it's one thing to be taught something, but to experience it yourself is, is definitely a, a different way of understanding. So I think that's really a benefit of them. And they're curious. You know, kids are so curious. If you if you start talking to them about something, they'll almost always ask a question, and um, so they ask questions about math all the time. So, yeah, they're, they're probably better at math than I was, almost assuredly. I
0: see. That's uh, there art in the background. I'm
2: assuming. Yeah, that's that's their art. Yeah, uh, I got to get some new art up because um, it's it's a a couple years old. Some of it. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it looks but- great. i have a art wall in my front room dedicated for my kids art so i got oh
2: nice mine's not very organized you probably got some like something nice looking no it's just like you just tape tape (laughs) okay yeah i think that's the way it's supposed to be they have those things where you can like put them inside a container and then put a new one up front and stuff i'm like well i think tape that's how it's supposed to be done
0: yeah it's literally wallpaper it's paper on the wall (laughs) that's how I look at it (laughs) nice so uh, and they
2: get to see it all the time then too which is fun
0: yeah and they always want to improve on it that's how my kids are yeah yeah so it's motivation so uh tell us the um you know how how has your teaching uh
2: background how has that helped you uh as a dad oh boy so i've i taught i've been teaching high school the entire time i'm uh, i've been teaching and uh uh, it's different than you know when you got a toddler um, <laughs> so so when when I started experiencing some of the things that a, an early father gets to experience I, I don't think that teaching helped me in any way well, okay, maybe one I'm pretty patient um because you know high schoolers they have an amazing ability to uh uh test the boundaries of one's um, limits and uh so I, i'm pretty patient with my kids and and i think that's helped me um and uh knowing that right now i i've heard something before and i think it's probably accurate small kids small problems um so uh i i know that there, there's more uh uh strains to come but i think that Fostering their curiosity is another thing that I I, I try to do quite a lot. At, make sure we're asking them open-ended questions, you know, so that so that they get to explore their own ideas and and then we play with those ideas together, and and I think that's related to my my background. I'm, uh, I consider myself more of a philosopher than a mathematician, and uh, my background is in philosophy and and mathematics, uh, but so. I think, and I have taught some philosophy classes, so teaching that has helped to uh, just learn how to break down an idea and um, present it in small chunks.
1: That's interesting. Can you give a little more information about your background? So, like, um, I know uh, you grew up in Portland, but, like, can you talk about your relationship with your parents and with your dad?
2: Yeah, um, yeah yeah that uh that's great um so family fa- family is just like a, a it it it's such a big part of my whole life and and I can see it reflected in in my boys and the way they talk about family um uh growing up my dad's dad and my step grandma lived in our apartment upstairs in our house and uh I'd go up and see him and talk to him and be around them, and I got to see them interact with my parents. and uh, so that that was a, an experience that not everyone gets to gets to have, and I feel really lucky for that. And my dad uh, it, my dad's a, he's gone through a lot in life. Um, I grew up moderately poor, but you know, nobody knew it because. Uh, my dad just knew how to take care of business in a, you know, he would go on and buy a, uh, uh, all of the leftovers of a garage sale. He'd walk in and he'd say, how much do you want for the rest of it? And and then, and then he would just buy everything up and take it home and like repackage things. And he'd take a bunch of garbagey stuff and package it up with one good thing and then charge more than he could have got for the one good thing. And he just found ways to make money for us that were, you know, just, I, I didn't see other people doing that kind of stuff um and he always talks about how he's well you know not not everyone feels good about themselves in their education he talks about how dumb he is and it really hurts when I hear him talk like that because he uh he's figured out how to do so many things and shown me how to do so many things and how to be a dad um I feel so like so lucky to have had him as a dad he was my uh soccer co- coach he was my baseball coach uh he, he was always there for every sport that i played every every match and he worked at a mill and he would have to switch around his his schedule so that he, he could make tournaments and he would come with no sleep and then he would just power through it and then he would go back to work with no sleep and uh really sh- showed me how to show up and how to how to be present and and take an interest in what your kids take an interest in and uh you know i every every father's day it's a it's a little bit of uh thanks for showing me how to do this and i hope i do as good of a job Oh, and 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 so they live with us now. My parents live with us now, and um, my kids get to be around my mom and dad. And you know, I think that I, I'm I feel really really happy that they have that experience, and they're gonna know their grandparents in a way. So it's a part of our family to to um, take care of the elder generation. I'm I'm Yupik Alaska native and um on my mom's side and and on my on my dad's side I'm poor so uh, so it's uh it, it both both things kind of make being family pretty important
0: so what was that transition like when they you know, first moved in with you guys was it like a, uh did it take a little while to, uh <laughs> <to do
2: this>? <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> uh, my wife and I, we've been on the fast track. We started we start we met each other too late, too late in life. you know we' we had dated everyone else in the area, both of us, and and never gotten married, no kids. And um by the time we we got together, we were like, well, we're ready to start a family. And so it was it was pretty soon after meeting each other, we were starting a family. And uh, shortly thereafter, you know, uh, we were living together, and um, uh, it, it just it, it. I wanted to be in a situation where I could be around my my larger family, you know, my my new family, and and my my old family too. And so I I was talking to my wife about moving into a situation with multi-generational living. And um, she's she's not from a culture where that makes sense. It's not part of their traditions. And uh, I, we decided that my sister and her spouse would move in with us as well. So we moved into a house. Um, it was my, my wife and I, our son, she was pregnant. So one was on the way. Uh, my, my sister and her spouse and, and my mom and dad and then there's also a, a a spare bedroom because her parents come and visit twice a year, so uh, it it can be a full house around here. But shortly, it's within about a year, you know, um, to 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 kind of ro- swing back around to the question and, and how my sister and her spouse decided they had had enough, and um, and so they they moved out, and uh, uh, I think that's a a fairly good encapsulation of uh what kind of the transition it was um and you know we we lived here so we didn't have a choice and um and it, it there were times it was it was touch and go i will say that and it's it's smoothed out though so that's good
0: that sounds like the uh like the home alone house you know when it's yeah yeah house, everybody's running around it's
2: 12 of boxes <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's a I, I actually just wrote a post a post about it recently about um it, it we 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 laughed about how it should have been a a reality tv show because if, if they were to pulled some of us into into rooms to talk hmm.
1: yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> spill the beans
1: have you noticed like the difference between um I guess, how your dad is compared to when he was your parent to uh, being a grandparent to your children. Is there any difference in the way that he uh, acts?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's different. You know, um, when growing up, everybody I met from that knew my dad when he was younger said the same thing. Your dad's the toughest person I've ever met. And he, it was a different generation, different times. He liked to fight. Fighting was just a thing that he did. And uh, he fought with his friends. He fought with just anybody who would, was willing to fight. He should have boxed, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, so uh, he's softer now. And and he's, uh, he's able to... Uh, let things go a little bit more than, than he was before. I remember uh, on a lot of occasions hearing, just don't do it if you're not going to do it right. Just don't do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, you know, is the weeds, pulling weeds, man. You got to get the root or it doesn't work. And he knew that. And he didn't want me pulling the stems off those weeds because it was just going to be a problem for us later. And, you know, uh, he's not wrong.
1: Yeah, that's that that's good information. <laughs> that's good advice. <laughs> um, so, no, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say so him just being uh more um not as tough or not as uh as as strict. Yeah. Or direct. He's,
2: yeah, he's he he's softer and, and he uh you know I remember him um with our second second boy um we would put him up on the on the counter and in one of those like bouncy chairs that lean back and and when they're just little and they bounce and he would just sit and bounce him and i don't remember him having that kind of patience um and seeing him be able to connect with uh a little in that way is was pretty cool uh still still think about it and it uh draws up some emotions for sure and uh you know my my dad also is um uh he's dealing with dementia and um uh that's hard you know um i don't know if y'all have anyone in your life that is going through dementia but it is something and it's we're still pretty early in the process And it's kind of scary knowing what's likely to come. And on the one hand, uh, you know, it's going to have to, if it doesn't come, it's because he passes before, you know, he looks like he's going to, he's a healthy guy. I mean, uh, like he's, he's 80 and he's, he does basically all of the yard work around our house because he just stays outside and does stuff and mows the lawn and, carries things around and he physically he still is the t- toughest guy I've ever met you know and uh and but but mentally it, I see how hard it is and it's starting to get harder for him when he knows he sees it's happening mm-hmm. um and and seeing how it inter interacts with my mom as well you know that's that's hard stuff being a primary caregiver for um, somebody who who's going through dementia, so
0: yeah, I'm going through something real similar. My my grandmother, she's uh, 80, she'll be 86 in a couple of weeks, and uh, she's dealing with some of that uh, dementia uh, stuff too. Where you know she she might forget, you know, that we just had a conversation. So uh, I gotta understand uh, that 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 being tough, you know, dealing with that, you know,
2: yeah,
0: they're okay. still them, but they just they might forget sometimes. That's it.
2: Eh- every now and then it's like, so it'll happen in such a sweet way. Like, uh, I, I took him to a blazer game and uh, he he must've said, thank you 70 times. <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, it's like, uh, it was clear that he really meant it. He never would have said it that many times if he didn't feel it, he just kept feeling it. So, so, so I, I try to really, uh, Embrace the sweetness that can sometimes happen with with dementia as well. Because it can it can, you know, it's never the same from moment to moment. That's yeah. part of what's scary about it.
0: Yeah, you just gotta be patient. That's the biggest yeah. thing. Yeah.
2: Well, I, I'm sorry that your 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 grandma's going through that and and thank you for being there for her whenever you're with her, you know.
0: Yeah. Now I was gonna echo the same sentiments to you, so yeah, thank you for that, that yeah um,
2: taking care of elders that's taking care of elders,
0: yes, they call it the second childhood, really,
2: yeah, right
0: <laughs> um, how how have your kids been um like you know the the pandemic went the camp, the pa- pandemic left how uh did you see their development during that time? If you had to think about that time.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh well that time was you know like like from almost everybody that time was full of so much more than just the pandemic because life just kept happening. Yeah. And uh uh so our our oldest was <laughs> in kindergarten um for the full year of of uh, I'm sure it's the same for your kiddo uh yeah. for all year long he wasn't in school he was home and then at the end of pre-k at well he as well he couldn't go into the the daycare that we had him at and um so like i said i've been teaching for 14 years my my wife is an english teacher in middle school her mom was a teacher in uh elementary school and when when things started happening and we were going to be working uh my wife's mom came out and was helping out with with our son in kindergarten and so she would sit down with him and make sure that he was on the zoom and and she would work with him and our younger they would have they would have grandma school and uh Mm -hmm. they would you know do all kinds of coloring and They would do letters practice and sound it sounds. And so um, that time, when I think about it, uh, parts of it were amazing because I never would have got that amount of time that I got with my kids in another situation. Um, but But I was so lucky and they were so lucky to be in a situation where that was true because of my job that I had and because of us being financially stable and you know there were just so many things and and because of all of the adults that were around they weren't isolated socially and emotionally the way that so many kids were and and so i feel really lucky almost like guilty like like oh man we really had it lucky and and we didn't my wife got breast cancer during the pandemic And so, so it wasn't always great either. And, um, and that's the way life just continued. She is living without cancer now and she is uh, doing great things. Um, And so, so yeah, that time, uh, I think the boys think about it and our youngest doesn't remember anything about it, but Mm -hmm. you know, there are shadows, there are there are things in his experience that are deeper than memories that come out in because of that time for sure. And uh I think that we were lucky to have them in a situation that they thrived. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah it's good. I remember um you know, my kids had similar experience. Like, uh, I'm glad they had, you know, each other in a way. Like they weren't, you know, isolated. So, uh, but even them, I think it's, it's still affected them. Like, you know, having to go to school wearing a mask and not being able to see like, you know, the other kid's expression. Like when you yeah. said like, you know, just those little si- si- simple like nuances that we kind of take for granted. But uh, during that time, we didn't have it at all. So, you know, I just wonder what impacts you know that would have like you know long term.
2: Yeah, I think that I think that we're seeing some impacts, you know, rippling um throughout the school systems. Not I, I'm not sure that we know how to deal with them very well yet. Um but but I think we're they're there.
0: Uh what what kind of challenges?
2: Uh, well, so I think that there are behaviors that are happening in schools that weren't happening before. And there are different reasons for that. But one of the reasons is that the, the socialization that should have been there during the pandemic wasn't there. And uh, I think that there's some ripple effects of, we just don't know how, I think that there might be some effect on kids of, we just don't know how stable things are. I mean, you know, for if for for a decent portion of young people's lives, things were really, really rough and confusing. And uh, and that kind of instability surely uh, plays out emotionally and psychologically, as you as you were saying with the masks. But mm-hmm. uh and having so many parents who put their kids on um, devices mm. uh, to uh, ha- to keep them busy because the parents were busy, and um, so I think that one thing that's happening is we're at, we're seeing more uh, addiction to devices. I mean, the the people who develop apps are real smart. <laughs> they are smart people. Psych- like they they work with psychologists to make sure that, that the dopamine is hit just right so that so that you want to come back and do it and not get off and keep playing and doing whatever it is. And when we've given young people access to those because we weren't able to take care of them and be with them because work was there, then um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have effect and, and kids are having a hard time with, with devices right now. Um, we see it with, with our oldest, you know, uh, all kinds of stuff on the bus. Everyone's using their devices, their school issued devices where they can um, play games that they set up before they leave the school and then they can play the whole way home. And sure. um, it's, it's just not super healthy.
1: No, it's not. Yeah, I think during that time, it was a lot of, especially like um, from school, like the school aspect where it was remote. Um, I feel like a lot of students missed out on, you know, a lot of education um, just sitting in front of the, you know, the computer. I mean, I understand like schools, they did what they could, but still it's not the same as being in the
2: classroom. Yeah, you got that right. You know, uh, and and part of it was teachers weren't trained to teach that way. Um, exactly. Yeah. It it when I was doing it, I I I discovered I was a weirdo. I discovered, oh man, I like this. This is this is for me. And so, uh, the, my business is the result of me discovering I liked teaching remotely, and that we are. We, the The thing that happened during the school year, you, you know, during the pandemic, that's not the way remote learning should be. Remote learning can be really, really amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, there are lots of things that I think that are coming Um, that we need to uh, maybe reconsider what our classrooms look like, um, having one teacher teach to 30 kids who are at vastly different levels all talking about the same thing doesn't make a lot of sense to me but um figuring out how to have a balance with technology is going to be key too because it can't all be there too many yeah. relationships are just too important
1: yeah for sure so i, I want to switch uh, switch gears a little bit and ask you this um this question Earlier you were saying that um you took your dad to a Blazers game. How do you feel about the uh Damian Lillard
2: trade? Uh, <laughs> I'm happy to talk about this. <laughs> Listen, the the I the heat were not offering the right thing. It you know Tyler Hero is, is I think he's gonna ball this year. I think it, that that's going to be great for tyler and wherever he ends up because it doesn't look like the heat want him to me but they're not they can't deal him so it's not like portland was um driving too hard of a bargain it's just the market's not there for tyler hero um and i i'm i love dame lillard i'm not gonna even try to deny that he has meant so much to the franchise uh he he deserves a statue and um that said it was time to move on and, and you know he had to be the the uh the adult in the room and say hey folks it's time for me to go and then the blazers i, I didn't like the way they dealt with uh not being upfront about it and I I see from the business perspective that it makes sense. Though You can't just come out and say, yeah, you're right, Dan. We got, we got to get you somewhere because Mm. then his, his value goes down. If everyone knows you're trying to get rid of him, his value goes down. So it was, I think that it was hard for the blazers front office to speak honestly about what their plan was, which was clearly to get rid of him the whole time. And then to but but behind closed doors, they should have been honest with Dame, and it doesn't sound like they were. And maybe they were worried that you know he would talk or something, I don't know. But but that part of it, I don't like. But I'm excited about the Blazers being young. I think that uh, Scoot Henderson, I'm excited. I, I think it went pretty poorly last night, the first pregame of the year, but or preseason game. But I'm excited to see what Scoot does, and Shaden Sharp, and uh, I, I DeAndre Aiton. I, listen, I I'm happy to have DeAndre Aiton on our team for sure. Yeah, what do you guys think? I think y'all got a good haul. A lot of a lot of young
0: pieces. You know, you guys are going in a in a rebuilding uh, direction. So I think you got got a few good pieces. I wish you guys could have kept Drew Holiday. I think he would have been a good fit.
2: Listen. I would love to watch Drew Holiday, no doubt about it. But he he deserves to go play somewhere where they're contending. Yeah. it would have been pretty brutal to have to stay, for him to have to stay and play with all those rookies. <laughs> no,
1: but yeah, you all it was it was a balanced trade. Um, Portland got a lot of like good good young players, good pieces. So yeah, you all should be all right this year. Yeah, forward. I think
2: that I think that without trading Drew Holiday, it would have not looked as good. Like ultimately, but yeah, I do love Drew Holiday.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's gonna be great with Boston.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's gonna be an exciting Eastern Conference Finals.
0: It should be. I, I, well, I kind of like Philly still. I think Philly still has something to say about who's gonna be in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but I guess it depends on what you get from Harden. Like Harden is the wild card. He's even going to play with Philly, so I don't know. Man,
2: I I I just don't see. I I think he's hard to deal. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I, they they talked about. I've seen the trade about the Heat, and I was like, that does not look like a good fit to me.
0: Yeah, because him and Jimmy kind of need the ball. So. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I'd for sure rather have Jimmy Butler on the court for me.
0: Even with the hair, uh, what's that dude doing? (laughs) (laughs) I
1: I
2: like it, man. Hey, man, just do something different. Yeah, switch (laughs) it up. It's time.
0: (laughs) Hey, whatever flows your boat, Jimmy. (laughs) But uh, The next question I got for you, Doug, is actually – it's actually a question I already asked you. Uh the question was, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And you gave me a real short and sweet answer. You said, uh showing up in the moments, in the moment to meet the needs of my boys. It's real short and sweet. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit more?
2: I, I can give you a little more than that. Yeah. So for me, um, you know, I pro- I I practice mindfulness it's a it's a part of my life, has been for a while. and uh, when when it's easy to be with your kids, you know when they're happy and and you're doing your thing and they're doing their thing and you're having fun together, that's great. When it's rough, when your kid's throwing a tantrum when when things are you know when 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 it's hitting the wall showing up then and really being present, that's why I work out hard. (laughs) That's why I meditate. That's why I take care of myself. That's why I try to get a good night's sleep. Because if in that moment, when my kid's having an emotional breakdown, I can be stable for them and I can talk them through the experience that they're having, not pushing it away, just being real with it. Yeah, you are, you are upset right now and I can understand why you're upset and staying, staying level and making sure that my voice doesn't start getting louder and higher and, and start sounding like, just like he does. And that's the kind of presence that I think being a, a dad really comes down to is when they need it the most and breathing with them and saying, Hey, we're We're just going to control our breath. We're going to breathe. We're going to take some deep and deep in that breath a little bit. And when nowadays, you know, both of them, when, when something's going wrong, they'll just drop into the breath. And that, That's when I look at, I go, yes, yes, that's, I, I celebrate that because if they can show up for their partners and for the people who they love in the future, in those times of difficulty, when their partners are freaking out or their kids are freaking out or, or their coworkers and are having those emotional strife, then, then they can share that love and and that love's going to come back to them because that's just how love is. And so being present to in in every every one of those tough moments. That's that's what being a dad's about to me. And walking over to the window, walking over to the window looking out at the trees and breathing together when we're having a hard time.
1: Oh, that's cool. That's cool. All right, um I know we're getting close to time. So I have one last question for you. Um, if you can give advice to a, a new dad or a young dad or or just a dad in general, what would that advice be?
2: Take care of yourself so you can take care of your kids and hmm. and spend time, spend time with them, be there. Uh, find a way to get away with them. Uh, We have weekends during the summer where I take a kid and my wife takes a kid. And then we switch later in the summer and I take the other kid and she takes them. We go camping. They usually go to a a hot tub resort uh, place. (laughs) So, (laughs) So spend time with them, get outdoors and do stuff and encourage them to Pursue things they're interested in. I have a real hard time with that. I want them to. I want them to do this, and I want them to do that because I, I think it's great. So, encourage them to explore and be curious. Be curious with them.
1: That's cool. Well, I have one last question. Uh, this, this is the last one for real. <laughs> yeah,
2: you, you can ask questions all night, man. You're good. Uh,
1: okay. <laughs> Who? Um, well, do you have a favorite uh, philosopher?
2: Ah. Uh, Wow. Um it's changed over time. Um uh my background is um in history and philosophy of math. So so that that was something I was really into for a while. Um and now I'm more into ethics and um so the, the, I'm gonna pick someone who you who I, I don't know if you'll be like oh that's a philosopher yeah um mm. it's Sam Harris um I think Sam Harris is uh, uh he he approaches problems in an interesting way he uh I think he's got a pretty balanced um he recognizes when he's got biases which is is hard to do and um i think that he he actually listens to um sometimes not always uh <laughs> listens to the 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 someone he's dialoguing with and um being able to at least reflect and and show that you understand the other side is, i i think is valuable so and also you know uh it, he does uh he has a meditation app that i use and i think it's it's really valuable too and um so there he's got a lot of stuff going on that i appreciate not just philosophy Okay,
1: right, cool good stuff. What,
2: what about you 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 have a favorite philosopher uh
1: yeah i do actually um uh j krishna mercy um yeah there's a couple of people i like um so Christian Mercy is probably the, like the tip top for me. Um, mm-hmm. I got into like Adam Watt stuff, kind of a lot of like modern uh, philosophers.
2: Uh-huh. Did uh, you say Adam or Alan? Alan. Okay, Alan Watt, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, those, those two are probably like the, the main ones, but uh Christian Murcy is the, my favorite favorite.
2: All right. What about you, Royce? You you read philosophy? Yeah, I dabble a little bit. I would
0: say uh for me, I'd probably say Socrates would be uh right. my pick. If right. I go like a more newer age, uh probably Neville Goddard would be uh up there for me.
2: All right. I don't know Neville Goddard.
0: Yeah. Yeah, look them up on uh, on YouTube. We got a bunch of like lectures. Wow. Yeah, I will do that. Cool. Yeah. But uh, Doug, thank, I just want to give you a chance to, you know, uh, plug
2: mm-hmm.
0: transformation math if you want to uh, take the soapbox.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so one thing we're really doing that I think is different is focusing on mindfulness and attaching mindfulness to mathematics because, like, like we were talking about before we came on, it was. Math is a fertile ground for negative emotions and, and negative emotions are really one of the best things you can use to practice mindfulness with because they're so powerful, they're potent and we, and we, and we, can, we, we feel them right away. And so when those negative emotions arise, um, what's usually happening is it, there's fear associated with not knowing and not knowing, yeah, that's scary stuff. Uh, you know, in the course of history, not knowing was a dangerous thing. And, and so you know, there's a reason why fear is associated with not knowing. But now, it's not like that. Not knowing is different. And it's, it, we're safe when we don't know. And so it's important for us to be able to use our bodies, use the breath, to tell our brains that we're safe so the brain can reinfo- go, oh, we wouldn't be able to breathe like that so deeply if if we weren't safe, we would be running. And so, so when the brain then recognizes that the body is telling it that it's safe, it can then reinforce that and the whole nervous system can calm down. And then you're in a place where you can learn because when you're, you're activated, you're not in a place to learn. Your brain shuts off the important parts of memory and learning. So, so you've gotta be able to come down from that if you're gonna learn. And that's the thing that I'm excited about helping students and young people come to understand is that actually that fear is just an indication that you're about to learn something, my friend. You are right on the edge of learning. And once you can reframe it and see the not knowing as about to learn, then you're in a place of like a a situation that is positive and not negative. And, And then they can take that same experience of negative emotion usually triggering the habitual response and open it up to relationships so that they can have positive interactions with people even when other people are um, heightened and and then and then they can bring them down in the same way that I try to do with my kids.
0: Oh, so
2: we're so we're we're, we're doing some uh, group tutoring sessions October 23rd and it's it's out there to be signed up transformationmath.com I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook.
0: Awesome, yeah. Again, uh, thanks for uh, your wisdom and your expertise and uh, sharing your story. Uh, definitely, we'll get a lot of value from this. Definitely, thank you for your time.
2: Hey, thanks both of you. I've appreciated being
0: here. It's nice to meet the two of you. And uh, Dr. Rahim, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, put this in the Hall of Fathers. Now we used to have a Hall of Fame, but now we have the Hall of Fathers. Can we put this one in the Hall of Fathers? Dr. Raheem.
1: Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. This is a good interview, Doug. And you said this is your first time. Doing oh that yeah, podcast?
0: yeah. So what okay. what jersey number would you have? What would we uh raise it up? Is it the Rose Garden still? It's something different now, isn't it?
2: Oh man, the, it what, should be the Rose Garden. The Moda, it's
0: like the Moda. It's
2: Moda Center now, yeah. <laughs> Ick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what number would I raise up in the in the?
2: We'll call it the Rose Garden for old time's sake. Shoot, uh, you know, I'd go probably, I'd probably go like 134, 134. It'd be a weird jersey, <laughs> <laughs> one of the kind, that's all that is.
0: <laughs> yeah, we so got 134 in the rafters. We book it,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that, that's a unique number. Wow, 134.
2: Uh, it's what I wrestled in college.
1: Oh, okay, I got you. Because,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's got to have something to do with sports. And that's just what I did longer than anything else. So plenty of pin downs, I, I, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, college wrestling was something else. It was a, uh, uh, you got to end up, turns out not every college coach is a good college coach just because they're coaching in college. <laughs> Coaching, coaching is such a thing, man. I've been really interested in coaching lately. Just like watching the way coaches uh do their do their thing or don't do their thing. Um Mm. and and I've I've been on the receiving end of some bad coaching, unfortunately.
1: Mm.
0: Well, they say you learn from the bad experiences too, so
2: (laughs) I'll tell you one thing it did is I don't get to run anymore. I shattered my ankle from 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 some bad coaching. Uh, Yeah. Hey dude. I'm still I'm still on the
0: meeting, for that Hey, Hey, right of okay. We do it a last time wrap <laughs> yeah. up to uh to myself, preserve not for Dr. Rain, and also for uh Doug White Wolf. That's the best thing ever. Uh Thanks for listening to Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews and stay tuned for further announcements.